UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming back to the Typical Skeptic channel. And you guys are going to be really happy with who I have on the show today. Um, if this is by your request, uh, a lot of my subscribers emailed me and they told me to get Frank Jacob on the show. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say that we have him on the show. And uh, Frank Jacob, he's an award-winning independent filmmaker, editor, director, composer, creative designer. Um, he is uh, working on a project called A Tale of Two Timelines about the Project Looking Glass. Um, the Project Looking Glass is a time technology and how a group of whistleblowers called the Guardians of the Looking Glass has come out in the last few years with some interesting communications online about looking glass technology and how it's being used to manipulate timelines. So this is some really important stuff that's going on, and I'm glad to have Frank on the show. Frank, thank you for joining me. How are you? Hi, Robert. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, so let me ask you this. You had already made films before, like Packing for Mars and, and other stuff. What got you involved in this Looking Glass project? Well, I was actually researching another subject altogether. I was interested in as the Ukraine conflict broke out. Um, I was checking out a sort of a one man band journalist who was uh, in the Ukraine giving live reports uh, that were contradicting what was really going on in the mainstream media. And so, you know, I'd spent a bit of time with his material and I was on his Telegram channel scrolling down looking for a particular link. Uh, um, and all of a sudden I saw something pop out that said Looking Glass or Project Looking Glass, I think it said. And, and I was totally shocked because I didn't think that belonged there at all because it had nothing to do with with the subject matter uh, of this particular um, journalist in the Ukraine. So, of course, because I knew about the Looking Glass, uh, I had, uh, you know, my my production partner Tanya Maidenford, and you know, when we filmed Packing for Mars, he had a lot of contacts into the sort of the ufology world and paranormal thing world, and uh, she knew about the Looking Glass, and and so I knew about it from her, and I also because we filmed Carrie Cassidy and Bill Ryan. In packing for Mars, they of course are all intimately um, familiar with the Looking Glass project. So I also got a lot of information from Bill, and I knew about it. So when I saw this, I'm like, okay, I checked. I landed on a YouTube site, and it was a group calling themselves the Guardians of the Looking Glass, and they had a couple of videos up and very little views. I think like 70 views or something. Nothing was going on, and uh, so I started to watch their videos, and it just kind of gave me the chills because they were talking about the looking glass and they were talking about being a next sort of like ex insiders on the project. Uh, and they were coming forward now 
because they had this, you know, they they had this information that was critical to the future of humanity. And it was like had to do with timelines. And I'm, of course, very familiar with timelines and interested in the subject of timelines and in the, and from the perspective of quantum physics, as well as from the perspective of, you know, just like what it means to travel in time or what are time portals, these kinds of things. So, yeah, so that's how I fell into it. Yeah, I, I wasn't when I when I heard about you that you were doing something with this. I, I didn't realize how detailed you were into it because I'll just catch you up to where I was on it. Like I had heard about it from this guy I had on my show. His name was Ryushin, and he he talks a lot about like the aliens that are coming from Orion. But he mentioned the Looking Glass, and then I had Brad Olson on my show. And I'm sure you're familiar with Brad. Yep. Brad has a picture of it on his Beyond Esoteric book, and um, so that's where I was at with it. I didn't realize there was like this whole group of people that had come out and that were aware of the project, but to start off everything, what is the origin of this technology and where do you think it came from the looking glass? Well, the, the there's various um, aspects to that story. Uh, a certain uh, aspect, a certain version of the looking glass was discovered in sealed cylinders in that were originated from Sumeria. And the cylinders contained these building plans to build these devices that essentially once you built them, you, you set them in proximity of these stargates. Stargates are like natural vortex points. They're all around the planet. They're, they're, out, they're around us in outer space. They're, in, they're below ground. They're above ground. And essentially, I mean, there's many of them. They're all over the planet. And these stargates, essentially, when you put this device this one version of the device in the area of one of these uh, stargates, it begins to display um, what they later figured out were, you know, by observing it through observation, uh, future events just running in a sequence. Um, and, you know, there's other versions of them that are later, uh, the, when you get into the whole story of it, you realize that the whole, the whole reason they even found the looking glass device, uh, building plans to begin with had to do with something that started in the 1940s with the Roswell crash and several other crashes that took place in the United States over the next few years. In fact, they totaled about seven and they uh, essentially at some point, not only did they recover crashed vehicles, but they, uh, they also recovered the pilots. And this began a dialogue with these pilots who are actually called J-Rods. They gave them a name. The J-Rods are, are these little they look like little grays i guess they're gray aliens uh and so a dialogue started starting in the 40s with these j rods and it turns out they're they're, not, they're technically not aliens they're actually human beings they're our descendants 45,000 years in the future who had traveled back and also 52,000 years so they gave them classifications p45 j rods and p52 j rods the P-45J rods are the descendants of the Illuminati of our day and age now. And they um, are uh, they have descendants, 7,000-year descendants of theirs, which are the P-52s, which are also back here at this point. They're back here at this point because of what's going to happen and what's standing right before us historically, which leads to their future timeline. And the P-45s are here to make sure that the timeline proceeds as it did when they experienced it the last time. 
and the P-52s are here to try and uh, wake up humanity to be able to change the, pro the probability of that timeline toward another outcome. And so it's a timeline war. And both of those P-52 J-Rods and P-45 J-Rods were using navigation devices, which are like the, the looking glass installed on their ship, allowing them to access these portals and then travel you know, in dimensions, in, in time dimensions to their time. Uh, so they also have a version of it. And they also mention another version that is they, they both, both of these types of J-Rods, when they return to our time now, discovered something they didn't know about. And that was these Orion, uh, P-52 Orions, which are tall. Uh, they're like the descendants of the more spiritual aspect of humanity. Whatever is going to happen leads to this split of humanity three ways. And uh, the Orions are here, basically, they have another technology called the Orion Cube, which is similar. It's also a time peering technology. And they actually shared that with the governments um, of the United States and asked them to use it to benefit mankind. And of course, this didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I, I wanted to go back, like you said, Sumeria, and I'm sure you're familiar with the story of the Anunnaki. Does this have anything to do with the Anunnaki? Because that's where they were. They were in that Iraq area, that ancient Babylon. Right. Or that's supposedly where the Anunnaki is. The Anunnaki maybe not who we thought they were, or they do they have something to do with these P-52s and P-45s, or how, well, how do the, they fit into this? The um, the technology itself came, even though it came from Sumeria, according to what the Looking Glass Guardians told on their intel drops, is it didn't come from Sumeria so much as it came, it was, it was like there with them. It was like it was probably given to them. So the question is by whom, right? Um, I know there's a lot of people that, that are, um, you know, investigating this Anunnaki um, theory. Uh, so, you know, there could be something to that. Maybe they delivered it here. Uh, it might be a kind of technology that's the way it seems to me. It seems to come up again and again. Uh, and there are several uh, races that use this technology because traveling, it has to do with traveling. It has to do with traveling through these portals. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the Anunnaki were here and had delivered that as well or left it behind. Um, but, you know, it's it's like... These are all theories, right? What I find interesting about the um, about the J Rod story, uh, you know, is and something that emerged when I decided to do a, this webinar you mentioned. I really dug in deep and I pulled out everything that is available on the whole Looking Glass history, and put it up side by side and compared all the different versions and you know where the overlaps. Uh, and and what what you realize is that you know one of the only really forensically authenticated documents that has emerged in the last dozen or so years is the is this briefing document about project aquarius which had to do with majestic 12 and in that document they described the interaction with the j-rod so there's a consistency there and then there's dan burish's interviews with project camelot uh, so so all these stories have sync points that overlapped um, and, and also you know information that was given to the government matches up to other information that was emerging at the same time that this information was coming out on, on other areas uh, of the world. So that's very interesting in, in any case. So it's anyone's guess to, in terms of did it come from the Anunnaki or not? But the fact is certain races have their hands on it. 
including us as future humans, because obviously, if it's a time loop, you have to understand that the P-52s and 45s came back because there are descendants and, and they and through them, we got access to the technology or we found it. So in a, in a sense, it's us that have that technology. So we gave it to ourselves in a way. It's, it sounds kind of bizarre, you know, but when you think about time in terms of dilation and going back and forward and over vast stretches like that, then it's quite conceivable that, you know, it's just us that uh, gave it to ourselves. Now, you got a chance to work with Andrew Basaggio before, and I like I, I find his story very credible with Project Pegasus and all that. Did mm-hmm. you ever ask him about what he thought his thoughts were on this looking glass and like and, and time travel in general? What, what was it like working with him? Well, Andrew was more interest uh, was more what I learned from Andrew not, wasn't about the looking glass. What I learned from Andrew was something called the chronovisor. He talks about uh, a project um, in his project Pegasus. There was teams of children they used in these projects because, again, the chronovisor is another one of these technologies that allows you to peer into time, uh, and so and and actually create like uh, bubbles through which you know you can actually penetrate into that time. And they would send children into the times that the chronovisor had projected. And they would bring back information. That's, you know, of course, Andrew's famous story as of being a child at the Gettysburg Address and with the oversized shoes, you know. <laughs> he has that picture. He has that picture. Right. And, and it looks real. I mean, right. I, I, I think it is real. I, you know, I, I mean, who Look, knows? I, I, yeah. I've seen you know, it real, right? It, it's, it's definitely looks very interesting. And you know, the chronovisor is real. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, and Father Robert, right? it's, a, it's a real it's a real device. Uh, it was developed by the Vatican by a, by a man called Pellegrino Ornetti, and he was a, a master musician and a master physicist. And he was trying to figure out a way to uh, capture remnant. He had this theory that remnant audio files were 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 still in the uh, magnetosphere, and it turns out he's right. Not only are there audio uh, remnants, but everything that we do. And everything that anybody ever does or says, uh, or all of his actions, they're all captured in this resonant magnetic field. So they were actually able to not only capture sound with the chronovisor, but images as well. And they would be projected as a gritty looking holograph in the room and they would film it. And there's, so there's video uh, of it. Um, and I knew when we filmed, uh, after I'd filmed Andrew, and I returned to Europe and we were working on another film called Solar Revolution. And Solar Revolution's about another aspect which ties actually interestingly into the Looking Glass story as well. Because the Looking Glass Guardians talk about an event that it is going to take place. And their year uh, of where it's going to take place, uh, according to their video drops, was 2030. And so that's a very interesting number, of course, for many reasons. But uh, what's interesting is that the film we made, there was a German experimental physicist called Professor Dr. Ernst Sinkowski, who was very familiar with instrumental transcommunication, which is the science of establishing contact with interdimensional voices, voices from either people that have left their bodies and died and gone to other dimensions, or even interdimensional non-physical beings that have never incarnated as human beings. And as it turns out, <laughs> after the film was done, we were told that he actually wrote the foreword, the only, the only book that was ever translated into German 
about the chronovisor. He wrote the foreword to it because he knew Pellegrini or Ernetti. I, I remember back in the day when uh, uh, they, a guy came on Art Bell's show about, they called it Father Arnetti's Chronovisor, and that was the first time I heard about it. Yeah. Then I heard uh, Andrew Basaggio talk about it, so that kind of gave it some credence, and now I hear you're talking about it, so I have no doubt that this is a real thing. Yeah, like, no, it's a real thing. It's a real thing, Robert, and, and they, uh, they know the thing is, <clears throat> it's a medial device. Like, not everybody can operate it. It's like the people that, that work these devices they have medial capabilities. They're people that are sensitives. You know, they're sent there. You just not any Joe, like a truck driver. Oh, sorry. Nothing against truck drivers. I love them. But, you know, <laughs> if you're not focused on medial kind of work, sensitive work, you're not going to get the same result as somebody who is. And uh, Pello Greener or Nettie was one such person. And the, the fact is um, what I guess what they saw really, really freaked them out. And they apparently the story is that they the, you know after they, pr they presented it to the pope uh, and the way ernst Sinkowski told us the story they realized how dangerous it was uh, and they shut it down now we know that that isn't really true because somehow it some it resurfaced years later in another project being run by arpa the predecessor of the precursor of darpa meaning they actually took something uh, of nikola tesla's work and they somehow combined it with the chronovisor to create this device that Andrew was was party to, where they actually created um, ways for them to enter into a field and dial in certain events and go to those events and have those kids go in and come back and report on what they saw. Whereas the chronovisor in its original state in Ernetti's case was just a projection device, much like the the project looking glass the looking glasses because the looking glass is also a, such a passive device although there are other versions of it as well that essentially um from what i understand allowed them to enter into they were larger versions they actually had one in abu dhabi hooked up to an artificial stargate and they were using it to send things through and according to the according to dan burish it wasn't a very stable version, and so they were reluctant to use it on a regular basis. Normally, they would only receive things coming from, from the other side into our, to our side. They would not really go through because it wasn't stable enough for, for them to know for sure if, it, if the field didn't collapse right when they were in the middle. And they would have, of course, obviously some horrendous result. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of those how they kind of overlap a little bit. It, it was... Um, the chronovisor was used to peer and view timelines in, the, in different past, present, and future. And the looking glass is, is used to, uh, to view timelines that um, were described in a lot of detail by the looking glass guardians, actually, in, in, a lot of de in a detail that has never been disclosed before, which is why I found that those, those video intel drops that they gave highly fascinating. Yeah, you know, we know what I find interesting when you get when we talk go back to these J rods, whatever the the Orion, the, the B or the JP fifty two Orions, and the, they're doing something with human genetics, and and I'm sure yes. you've heard about this before. They're they have this right. abduction thing that's been going on for years yes. and years it, and yes. years, and I'm trying to think if they're us from the future, do they want to incorporate their genetics because maybe somewhere the genetics went wrong along the way or something like that. Yeah, that's a pretty good assessment. Essentially, what happened is the P-45s are here to harvest their genetics uh, and take them back to their timeline and fix some of the damage. Because obviously, you see them, they've been mutated by millennial, like dozens of hundreds, you know, like 
45,000 years is a long time. <laughs> they've mutated and they've adapted to the harsh environment that they've been subjected to in the last 45,000 years, but they want to recapture some of the genetic line that they lost. And so that's why they came back here now to before this cataclysmic event that's going to take place. And for me, I believe the reason that they're back here, um, and this is the P45s doing it, by the way, they're the, the rogue ones. The P52s are not engaged in this behavior. Uh, and the Orions are not engaged in this behavior. In fact, the Orions have forbidden any of the others to do it. But the P-45s being the rogues that they are, don't care. They're not interested. They even have a treaty called the Tau-9 Treaty, which uh, even Burish talks about being a participant in helping to negotiate. Um, so the P-45s are here to get a certain strain of genetics. And it's interesting if you if you study or you talk to some of the... Um, the uh, people that are abducted, they often report that it's a whole family line that gets abducted, yeah. not, right? It's not just a random number. It's like it's a lineage lineage. So, you know, it's that, you know, to, it, that gives you right away the idea that, of course, they're going for their lineage, right? They're they're pulling the DNA from those who are their lineage um, because that's what they want to take, because that's probably going to be more effective than just random DNA that are not their lineage. Sometimes it's even RH guess. negative, right? Sometimes, sometimes it's even RH negative. Not all the time, but it's, yeah. sometimes it has like certain blood types that even get a sense of right. it. It's right. very strange. Um, now, let me ask you this: Who is in? Or, or, so, is our government in possession with the with the looking glass right now? From what the the guardians tell you? Uh, well, yes, there are still factions of the government working with it. It's just been Majestic Twelve has been folded into another group called the Committee of the Majority. And they're international. They're not just Umbrella America. They're actually international because these events and, and these, this technology has been, I guess, incorporated internationally according to the information that Dan Burrish has said. And also it matches up with what the Looking Glass Guardians are talking about, about the European arm. And in fact, it seems to be that the European arm is more or less in charge because there's a very, very strong satanic um, bent energy over in, in Europe, which is rooted here. And a lot of these people that are interested in this technology are interested in manipulating it. Of course, they're connected to the Illuminati. They're connected to satanic kind of energy because, you know, I don't know, their their idea of the idea of Satanism is the is the religion of man. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to the religion of the higher consciousness, the greater universe. And uh, I think everyone you know can agree that Lucifer represents you know, as the fallen angel, he represents the, he wants to try and be the God of man. And so if you look at the satanic Bible, for example, it reads like, you know, a manuscript that worships mankind and the, the flesh of mankind and not this, you know, this other element of the, of the celestial cosmos and the other uh, angelic realm, right? So it seems that that group is rooted in, in Italy and, and other parts of Europe and uh, and he just and Burish describes uh, very accurately that the Majestic Twelve group that was formed in the United States when he was part of it uh, was made up of such satanic people. In fact, openly worshiping Lucifer. However, not only there were other elements in the group, other people that were actually altruistic, really wanting to help mankind, that were in the same group together, and they tolerated one another. Uh, and and it, it's interesting because you have that same. Um, 
parable playing out with the P-52s and the P-45s because they actually mirror those same factions. And if you look at the Looking Glass Guardians who came forward there, they would have to be part of that group that was, um, you know, allied with those who wanted the information to get out about this stuff that's, you know, available to us. This it's and it's very complex. What's available to us was written about in a docu document called the Doctrine of Convergent Timeline Paradox. Wow, wow! Can you get into that a little bit more? What what's that all about? That that sounds so interesting. Like, and and is it bad for us or good for us or we don't know what's going to happen? Well, it's the event that's um, the Doctrine of Convergent Timeline Paradox gives almost like a detailed description of what's happening uh, as a result of the paradox which resulted when the J-Rods came back to our time. And that paradox triggers pro certain probabilities. And those probabilities are described in a lot of detail and very technical language in that doctrine. And the doctrine um, was basically put together. Well, I don't know exactly. It's hard to say who put it together, but it emerged around um, in the early 2000s. So it's at least, it's at least 20 years that it's that people have known about it publicly and that it was being analyzed by certain people uh but it, it goes back a lot further it goes back to the original dialogues done between the j-rods and the majestic 12 group so it's decades old uh and it, and the languaging is very interesting because the languaging talks very in a lot of detail about the timelines and about what's coming and about this coming event their timeline when they began crafting this doctrine uh, was shooting for 2012 as being one of the critical points where there was going to be a cosmic event that was going to change the destiny and, and, and alter the timeline for, for one or the other direction. And uh, this syncs up with another whistleblower that emerged uh, that was interviewed by Carrie Cassidy called Bill Wood. But let's just not go into that for a second. That's the, the doctrine of convergent timeline paradox. The languaging of it was so complex that... Um, it only really makes sense now when I read it now and, you know, I go through all of it in a lot of detail in the, in the webinar because there's really a lot of stuff. It's very thick stuff, but it's interesting because if you read it, it reads like, um, you know, it reads like quantum physics terminology, the kind of stuff that hasn't really emerged except for the last 10 years or so. We don't know this terminology until just the recent years. So how could they have known it way back then? So this adds more authenticity to the whole story. And what's interesting, another factor over top of it all is that what came out when I was dealing, I had a little show going with uh, a German biophysicist called Dieter Brose, who was the guy we did the film Solar Revolution with. And he has the archives of Professor Dr. Ernst Sinkowski, his archives of instrumental transcommunication um, uh, work that was done. And that work was done back in the 80s and 90s. And we picked out, he was cherry picking some of the transmissions that were coming through from interdimensional beings in the 1990s at the end of the 1990s and I was at the same time I was doing the webinar I was comparing the doctrine of convergent timeline paradox terminologies and languaging to this and it was shocking I was getting goosebumps because it was almost written by the same author this is so amazing. So well, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, can we get into a little bit more of the event or, or yeah. will this trigger some things that we won't be able to put on YouTube? I'm trying to keep it so we can, I want to get this information out to the public because I know it's important, but at the same time, I'm trying to walk that fine line. Well, you know? uh, the only thing that would get you in port, uh, into trouble on YouTube is if we talk about the vaccinations, right? Because the, the, the looking glass guardians make, make it clear that vaccinations are, have a critical part in, uh, and, and determining which timeline prevails at the event. 
Um, so, I mean, we don't need to go there. Just keep it in mind that the that the vaccinations are, um, are are like a gene technology, but I think that's acknowledged in the open. I mean, it's clear that even Pfizer has, has admitted that the vaccines are kind of gene therapy, um, that they actually go in. And there's now papers that have surfaced and studies that have been done that prove that that the actual uh, genetic um, makeup, the DNA of, of liver cells, for example, that have been studied, um, have indicated that the uh, that the actual vaccine goes in and changes the DNA and alter modifies the DNA of, of liver cells. So um, this is the basis behind the technology which the Looking Glass Guardians are talking about is going to be affecting us over the course of the next few years. There's, there's going to be more and more of this technology implemented and uh, subjected to which mankind will be subjected to which is supposedly going to alter our genetics detrimentally so that when this event happens then we will not reap the full benefit of it and if we want to talk about what that event is it has to do with a cosmic event from the outside so it could take the form of several things you know we, we think about what it could be it could be something as um, as crazy as the return of Nibiru uh, you know, we talked about that in Packing for Mars. We had Chris, we had uh, Lucas Gantamburlu uh, presenting the documentation that uh, Cristoforo Barbato brought out from the Jesuit who leaked out information about the secret space program of the Vatican and how they discovered that there was a body moving toward us which would could only really be identified as Planet X. And its trajectory of arrival was mathematically calculated to be the year 2029. Okay, and that syncs up again to the year 2030, 2029. It's all sort of happening. So that's one possibility. It could be that this that this body enters our solar system. And when it does, because it is so large, it actually, the perihelion comes so close to Earth that it'll, co- it'll cause disruptions, of course. When a massive body uh, of, of that size enters our solar system, it affects the gravitational uh, an electromagnetic field of all of the other bodies that it comes close in close proximity to, and uh, depending on how close it comes, is you know will determine how damaging or disrupting, let's just say, it can be. Now, the other thing that 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 could happen has to do with geocataclysm, and there there was a whole science of geocataclysm that took place in the 50s and 60s, where um, Charles Hapgood was one of the leading scientists in that movement, but he was a double agent working for the CIA. And his work about cataclysm science was published and then taken um, off the market and classified top secret. And he rep- and he published a second manuscript, which was completely diluted and misleading. And that that was the subject uh, that was the manuscript that made it into the public, which was debunked. So cataclysm science at that point was 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 uh, was decapped and you know and basically fell fell apart and never really reemerged. But now there is a group of people that are out there reemerging in that field, and they're looking at cataclysm science with, with the newer technology, the modern instruments that we have. And they've found out that there are many things in the cosmos which could be a trigger for a cataclysmic event happening related to our sun. That could have to do with micronovas, um, and it could have also have to do, of course, with mega flares. We know the sun gives off mega flares, and if you look back in history and you combine it with... Um, paleontology you find out that there were periodic events in our history relative to the sun and the earth where the sun obviously did something and it affected and totally changed civilization and the people that were on the planet at that time barely survived they always survived fortunately 
uh, and to keep the genome going, but there was a massive reduction and, of course, a total change in civilization. And they documented those things in these cave drawings. And paleontologists are, you know, if, if you, it, it matches, it, interestingly, some of these cave drawings are dated to match up exactly coinciding with what is estimated by these geo uh, these cataclysm science uh, scientists as being events that the solar that our sun gave off a mega flare or or even a micro uh, a micro um, um, nova yeah yeah nova the, micro nova right so they, they talk about CME events all the time I hear yes. in UFO war like not just UFO war but like in the consciousness community like people talk about possible CME events all the time you know coronal yeah. mass ejection like so. I, I, this all seems like it all matches up to like all the research you've been doing all points to like this. Yes. Can we, can it, can the, can the looking glass affect this at all or no? Well, it's not so much that the looking glass affects it. The looking glass is a passive device in a way it presents the timelines that are the probability timelines of those who are viewing it. And the, uh, the, what does affect the, uh, the cosmic event is, is we do. And this is something that emerged in the doctrine of convergent timeline paradox. The P-52J rods were saying to us that there is a timeline probability where mankind has a quantum evolutionary leap in consciousness. And, if, and the very fact that we do that uh, makes us realize that we are actually intimately connected with the entire universe, that it isn't like separate from us, that we are actually connected. And that's a dialogue. It's a two-way dialogue between ourselves and the actual universe itself, the universe is in a dialogue with us. We are not just uh, passive victims, but we can actually put our own vibrational impact and our own resonance into the ethers, which actually have a um, affect the, the, the way things are going to work out for us then. And this was the message that the P-52J rods were trying to get out that we actually have to begin to focus on this other higher consciousness stuff that we have access to. This is, this is something that we are wired to unlock. And there's, there, it turns out there's even kind of a bow plan, a building plan, as J.J. Hertog calls it, for humanity to make this quantum evolutionary leap. Because we've gone through many, many cycles, loops in time where we've, you know, we've reached a height in civilization and then this cataclysm happens and we get, sh we get thrown back again, almost like you could say to the Stone Age, and we have to build it all over again up to another point. And now we've reached a point where we've probably become as technically advanced as we ever have been. But at the same time, we also have um, an advantage where spiritually we have never been at the place that we're at right now either. Uh, so the probabilities are that we could alter the trajectory of the timeline in our favor if um, if enough of us actually um, input that into the the field. So, so do you think this means that we might be in some kind of like, I mean, we're in like a biological universe, but do you think we're in somewhat of a simulated reality as well? Well, I mean, yeah, you could say that, but it's it's, it's almost pointless because it, it doesn't matter. The point is, we as human beings are not from the, these dimensions that we live in. We are actually just using the 3D plus the fourth and time to allow us to experience things. So we manifest, you know, this bubble of reality for us. Uh, whether it's real or a simulation is pointless. We are, it, what depends, what makes it um, meaningful is our interaction with it and what we make with it, what we make out of it and what we use it for. And that's what this is all about. And there's another strain of human beings that are atheistic uh, or, um, 
that are not interested in this. They don't believe in this evolutionary leap. Uh, they believe that mankind is limited, that we are a genetic defect, that the fact that we die is a genetic sickness or a disease, as Ray Kurzweil kind of qualifies it, and that they want to develop a technology by hacking our gene to turn us into a form of artificial life, which they believe is the superior destiny of us to become gods. And that's the way they look at it. So there's this movement called transhumanism and uh, artificial intelligence, which is being driven by the proponents of the Klaus Schwab gang, the Schwabsters, I like to call them, uh, <laughs> that are, you know, that are the, whose high priest is Ural Harari, who's talking about how, you know, there's basically this formula, uh, which he calls B times C times D equals A, you know, A, 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 H. Right. So the uh, biological knowledge times the computing power times data is equal to the ability to hack humans. Right. And, and he believes that the technology and he talks about how the technology to hack humans is already there through the vaccines. He makes no bones about it and he describes the whole process of it. So these people are trying to actually mutate the genome in order to make that leap into to this artificial digital world and their dream of course which you know thrills them beyond anything is to take the the brains and slice them up and make them into hard drives and stick them into sexy robots and live forever inside of an artificial carrier without dying right but what they don't realize is that this other aspect that i was just describing earlier is that we don't come from this dimension we come from outside of this dimension we only use these dimensions and when we leave these dimensions, we go back to our higher state of consciousness. And so we um, are never going to be limited by this 3D world. But now imagine if you've cut your brain up and you believe that's your consciousness and you stick it into a hard drive, you're going to be trapped forever within the 3D bubble. Yeah, you will never horrible. be able to escape that ever again. That's it. You're, you know, it might be glorious, the simulations that you're going to experience and you know, you can do whatever you want and, you know, create whatever you want, but you're always going to be within this bubble of 3D and you're never going to be able to penetrate outside of it. And we will and we are and we can. And in fact, there's, uh, you know, there's the the fourth group that um, Dan Burrish talks about that the Orion, the P-52 Orions mentioned briefly, but are vague. There's really vague information about them are these interdimensional spiritual beings that they talk about that are kind of like their mentors. So these are like almost you could say our higher selves. These are the beings that are sort of monitoring from outside of these dimensions. They're monitoring us and they're probably hoping that we make this transition. And I think they have to allow us to make this transition only with free will. Nobody can force us to make the transition. So I think the only, um, you know, this brings up the whole topic about interference. Like why would the J-Rods be able to interfere with our timeline if there's a, a rule of non-interference? Well, the clue to that is they're not extraterrestrials. They're us. Wow. So we're not interfering with our timeline. We're, it is our timeline. Yeah, they're trying to fix it. They're, they're trying to fix it. There's or they're, a timeline they're war, right? It. Yeah, they're fixers. The one want to fix it this way and the others want to fix it the other way. You know, but the other way is the organic way. And it's the way that's been sort of destined to, to happen. The Maya talks about it, the Hunabku, this ray from the center of the galaxy, right? And another aspect of it is what, what I was saying about Solar Revolution is we, in our film, Solar Revolution, it's the only film ever that really dive into this subject from a scientific perspective. Even though we released it 10 years ago, it's still like state of the art. I can't believe it, but it is. And, uh, you know, if you really want to know how that works, we talk about it in the film, but essentially we're getting um, 
we're getting in influx from the cosmos right now with certain charged particles and x-rays and frequencies that are coming to us right now because of our position near the galactic plane and you that's know, never happened so interesting Gerald Clark used to talk about that too. He was a researcher that I used to, I, I looked up to really highly. He wrote the book called The Anunnaki of Nibiru. But anyway, he would talk about our position in the in the center of the, we were in the galactic center and that it would cause a heightening of consciousness that, that we would transform. Like he thought that we could possibly not transform like AI wise, but like transform, like our souls would transform, like yes. we would transform into new spiritual beings. Like, and he thought that it could be like, we, it, we could be like a whole, like, um, I can't explain it. I'd have to listen to it, but you, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Like it's a whole spiritual evolution, I guess. Right. We're, it's an evolutionary process and it, it has to be, it's, it's something that, like I was saying to you, we are wired for this. Our brains are interferometers. We have a pineal gland, that, uh, that is tuned to certain frequencies, one of them being 8 hertz, and another frequency that plays a big role is 150 megahertz. And those are frequencies which unlock certain chemicals, you could say. One of them is dimethyltryptamine. And that chemical has a way of opening up our consciousness perception. And Rick Strassman, who we, you know, we, we included Rick Strassman's study of a, a group of volunteers um, in Solar Revolution and describe what they saw. Because when I was cutting the film, I was telling Dieter, like, I want to know what this looks like. How are we going to, what are we supposed to imagine this consciousness awakening is supposed to look like? So uh, these, these volunteers that uh, Rick Strassman did a study with, they describe what they saw and, and there's a matchup between their data. It's not like they're all going to different places, like on some LSD trip or something. They actually go and they had very, very similar experiences. So what's going to happen is that these frequencies that are coming, and it's already happening. I mean, let's just face it, since around starting in 2009, moving forward, we've, we've been starting to pick up, NASA's picked up, um, you know, these frequencies. They just haven't been telling us about it. And these frequencies are, are beginning to stimulate us. And certain sensitive people out there are reaping the benefits of those things. And the government is using, of course, some of these people and, and, and remote viewing projects that they have um, and these frequencies are unlocking these capabilities in humanity and they are tied to the way we are wired and they can only happen right now because of the place that we're in in the universe it's almost like the entire universe lined up for us, us to be able to make this jump right now that's amazing that's amazing yeah. And and what's amazing. what's what's really amazing about it is that like you said, your your information lines up with what Gerald has said, with other people have said, and there's all this this consensus that like in the kind of like in the new age community that we're moving to the fifth dimension. So maybe they're not right, but it's the idea that people have that we're ascending to a higher platform of living. Yeah, the terminology gets a little bit washed out by all the different people out there. They call it the fifth dimension or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they're they sensing it. Yeah, they know. But the, the thing is this, and this is why I've become so vocal in the last few months, is because there was this impression out there that it's already taken care of, that it's inevitable, and that we've already made that transition to the fifth dimension. It's a, it's like the very much has a lot of in common with the with the whole Q phenomenon that it's, you know, it's all trust the plan, you know, sit back and watch the show. And this is very dangerous. This poisonous message because it isn't over. And that's one of the things that the Looking Glass Guardians brought out in their messages. They talked about odds. 
and they talked about how these odds can be changed by us changing certain false flag events and probabilities of things that are going to be happening that they saw in the looking glass data. Now, um, and I have every reason to believe that they're right because I've verified a lot of the stuff that they're talking about. And we can see what's going on around us is not that we're, you know, the masses of people aren't starting to wake up and go into like this spiritual state. In fact, you're seeing a trend where people are getting more and more into technology. They're getting more and more herded into the inevitability of an artificial intelligence-based society. I mean, I just, I have a video that somebody sent me today uh, where the vice prime minister of the Ukraine just posted this thing called Ukraine 2030. And their plan is completely to abandon paper money, set up a cashless society, accelerate the digital society, AI courts, EL systems, facial, facial recognition, everything in the Ukraine. They've, they were setting this up. This is the reason that this, and it's funny because the people that are um, interested in this stuff, uh, you know, a lot of it also ties into CERN. And uh, that's a How whole other that factor. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty multifaceted, Robert. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but CERN has in front of it a statue, the the Shiva statue, and the Shiva statue stands for the god of dis- destruction in the sense of destroy the old and make new for the, make room for the new. And 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 you, if if there's any country right now which is the example of destroying the old to make new room for the new, it's George Soros behind the Ukraine because he's been in there for decades already before way of all this happened. They've been planning this carefully, so the whole Ukraine war is a front, a fake operation. Oops, this might be a problem for YouTube. <laughs> I, I'm but, I'm on Rockfin too. I just got I just got put on Rockfin, so I can. Put I'll just, I won't I won't go into, I won't I won't give uh, Zelensky a hard time like I usually do this time. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, essentially that whole situation. This is all a fact. This is all current news, right? This is all stuff that's been dropped out in the last few days. So there, there's a, there seems to be an ulterior motive behind the Ukraine thing to set up the original Great Reset Society will be started in the Ukraine first. So this is where they're moving us. And if you look at the tech, the, at the that the uh, the exponential rate at which technology related to 5G infrastructure has been installed around the world, beginning with the lockdowns, it's just uh, undeniable. Okay, that the pace has increased. That the technology has been in, has been rapidly exponentially being installed. The sat, this ties in with satellites going up into space around us. This ties into la- lamp posts and, and infrastructures being uh, you know set up in remote places, even uh, you know at at intervals that are serving simultaneously as um, you know lamp posts, you know as they as they look, but at the same time they're drone st- uh, charging stations. They are um, speakers to talk to the people on the street and give instructions. They have special LED uh, light infrastructure installed. That is um, a technology which puts people into a daze, which they can deploy very easily. And they have cameras all over them, which is good for facial recognition. These are the new kinds of smart lights that they're being they're being installed worldwide, all over all over the United States, all over Germany, all over Italy. Uh, it's happening right now. So the idea that we're just gonna you know, moving to the fifth dimension is a little bit short-sighted. You have to look at the hard reality of what's really going on in the world. And if we have any hope of making it into that fifth dimension, we need to make ourselves aware that there's this faction out there which is moving us into this digital technocracy. And they are not going to relent. They've been working at this for over 100 years. And they're at the cusp of realizing it right now. And they have the money, they have the politicians, they have the, the media in their favor. They, you know, they have everything going for them. 
you know, and, and what do we have? We have our mouthpieces. We can spread this message about what it, you know, about the timeline that we need to visualize to be on to make it real because we need to anchor that timeline in the ethers just as much as they're anchoring their timeline. The way timelines work is it's a consensus issue. The one timeline that Bill um, Wood always talked about was the timeline that, you know, it, it just, they couldn't see past 2012 and it always worked in the favor of the awakening of consciousness. Well, I've since come to believe that Bill Wood was a shill. In fact, his name is Bill Brockbrader. He was deliberately sent in to give that message to keep us from working on ourselves. We can't just sit back and wait for it to happen. In fact, that's the most poisonous thing that we can do is just sit back and do nothing. We need to make ourselves aware. We need to go talk to her. We can do it proactively. It's not a, you know, this is, this is a war of consciousness. This isn't a war you can take on with weapons. So it means inform yourself about something like Agenda 21 and look at that very detailed and go talk about it with your mayors and go talk about it with your po elected politicians. Make them aware that this is coming. And if they don't already know it, teach them about it and ask them if that's the future of humanity that they want. Because I'm telling you, Robert, the very fact is the realization hit me about two months ago when I was digging into this material to put this webinar together. And I'm, af I'm afraid it never really dawned on me as, as, um, as, as intensely as it did then that we are looking at the, we are facing the final 20, the final generation of natural biological human beings. If we do nothing to stop this technocracy of digital artificial intelligence from from winning out and their timeline manifesting and that's like everything we love about the earth would be gone then like you know everything things as small as baseball you know and i'm not even a fan of baseball i'm just saying like we don't want a bunch of robots hitting baseball bats around <laughs> or you, they, you know what i mean like hey they might to... play baseball because they're, you know they might think it's a you know whatever in a simulated world they might get off on it i don't know but the fact <laughs> is no more biological humans none gone yeah gone Okay, That's it's like horrible. if somebody we don't want that. Yeah. No, I mean I don't. <laughs> it's like you know. So I'm doing whatever I can to get people talking. And the other aspect of the Looking Glass Guardians led to ultimately the um, the revelation in their last video that they were approached by a patriot group that were dealing with white hat hackers that are actually working on the software, the back end software to implement the Great Reset and to actually introduce a tier system. Um, you know, which they, they call CSRQ, which is certain levels, like there's certain levels, they're going to tell us uh, when they manufacture the collapse of the economy, that everybody's equal. But what's 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 turned out is these this group of hackers are leaking out information that every some of us are going to be a little bit more equal than others. And, uh, and, and it's interesting, because they're also leaking, probably the most controversial aspect of it, they're leaking the names of uh, so called alternative media, personalities who are you know trusted voices by the alternate scene by the awakening crowd or the new age crowd or whatever you want to call them the freedom movement who have trusted people trusted people like that like david wilcock or uh or alex jones or you know others there's a whole list of them and essentially like rogue rogan and stuff so essentially what you have is you have these these guys are shills too and they're placed they're placed by the cabal to play the role of the voice of opposition and the way you can tell whether they're real or not is that is not that they're lying to you because a lot of them bring out really powerful information. There's no doubt about it. This is one of the big mistakes that many people do. They go, well, they're not lying. They're, they brought me a lot of, yeah, they did. They brought us a lot of stuff. Yes, but they've, it's what they didn't bring us that's important. It's yeah. what they omitted. It's where they steered the conversation, right? They steered the dialogue around. They led people around by the nose 
during the whole Q thing, you know, about the, the sealed indictments. And, and then there was the Jazara, whatever that monetary thing that's been floating around for over 10 years, 20 years. Like there, there's all these misleaders out there. The very fact is the technology that these guys are implementing to build their artificial world, they're actually doing it. And you can actually put your hands on it. You can put your hands on their plans. You can put your hands on their, their meetings. You can get their videos. You can listen to them talking about it. They've published it in their books. They're not hiding it anymore, right? And why aren't we all talking about this? This, this is the single most critical piece of information humanity is facing right now in all time, okay? This is it. UFOs are cool. All this stuff is cool. Yeah, but maybe it's time to let that material sort of wait a bit and focus on the probably life or death issue right now, because it won't be any good to us that the UFOs are out there if we're all cyborgs. You know, yeah. that's going to be it. Yeah. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Sorry. And how much longer are we going to wait? Because if we wait another two or three years to get active, it's over. It's over, Robert. It'll probably be over in six months if we don't start talking about it now. Wow. Wow. This is huge. I know it sounds doom and gloom, but come on, we can do something about it. That's the cool thing is we can put together little kits and John Nolan and I are probably going to put together a little kind of uh, some some kind of um, a kit that you can take to your representatives and and hit them with it. You know, and that's like real human interaction. And it doesn't take a lot of us doing that. A thousand motivated people hitting up every senator and mayor or whatever in the bigger areas is, is going to be enough to create like, uh, you know, some, some serious waves, <laughs> some serious opposition, if you might call it that. Yeah. Well, uh, but to, to finish up everything, how can people go and watch your webinar if they want to? Because I know it's like six hours, right? Yeah, it's full full on. Like, yeah, it's, it's it covers everything. You know, I just only tipped the tip of the iceberg today. But yeah, they should go to, well, you can go to my website, frankjacob.com. You can also go to cyberhive.tv. That's the site I'm, that's, that's my site that's hosting the webinar and you'll find it there in the menu. Uh, and on my site, you'll see it in the menu. You can also reach out to me on the frankjacob.com website. At the bottom, there's a there's a contact form. So yeah, I would highly recommend uh, the webinar. You know, yeah, it costs money, but you know, you're supporting me, and and uh, it is a lot of material, and it really will give you the full picture. That's amazing. Well, I, I want to thank you for doing this, and I, I'm, I'd like to do it again with updates, like as you get updates as to what's going on. I, I'd like to stay informed, you know, and inform my community that I know that people are interested in this. You know what I mean? Well, that's great. Yeah, anytime, you know, for sure. I, I think that would be. Uh, I think it's it's so important. You know, I think more than anything, I think that I, we've got to be out here. We've got to be talking about this stuff. You know, when I was making packing for Mars. I started the I started writing that film in 2010 and I connected with Laura Eisenhower and Andrew Bushago in the very beginning and then Tanya Maidenford came into it when I met her on the road in Screen Addiction we we teamed up and we expanded on on it and pooled our resources and one of the things that I realized when I was in the first cutting phases of that film is that the whole transhumanist thing was was coming up back then already. And I was looking at that going, oh my God, this is like serious stuff. We need to do something about this. But I set it aside thinking it's not going to happen that fast. But you know what? It is happening that fast. And those 10 years that have gone by, they've been diligently working away and they've got their quantum computers hooked up to CERN, you know, You'll learn all about that in the tale of two timelines. I mean, the whole CERN aspect and 
it's 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 just mind-boggling what they've what they've set up and and therefore it isn't the time to sit on the couch and, and watch it go down it's a time to get active now we need to we need to use this is actionable truth that i'm telling you it's stuff that you know there's passive truth which is the stuff i was saying that's cool but it isn't going to serve us in anything useful right now especially if you know we're facing our extinction literally within a generation we need to use actionable truth right now and the actionable truth is to get the message out that we need to prevent this timeline that these transhumanists are trying to root from from materializing in its fullest sense i agree i couldn't agree more this is a yeah this is a wow i didn't realize how important this really was this is really important stuff yeah, yeah. And people should go to Oculum Labs, you know, and check out their website, oculumlabs.com. That's where you can get these Gideon downloads. You can read about the uh, CSQR system and, and you can learn more about, you know, you just listen to the to the Intel drops that these are the interviews between a guy called Bill Sweet and Gideon. And Gideon's like real hard ass. I mean, the way he puts things is really like, it's pretty heavy, but he's, I'm, I can verify what he's talking about. It's true. Maybe people don't always want to hear this stuff, but it's time now to actually look at this stuff. And, you know, whatever you think about the group, you know, there's a lot of, you know, obviously, of, of course, there's always a lot of skepticism and uh, doubting and people don't want to, you know, they can't, they can't verify it. And I can't either. But, it, you know, you just have to look at it in terms of the information that they're delivering. And it is good information. I have to say it matches up with a lot of stuff. So what they're talking about is happening. It is coming. Whether it is then CSQR or whether it's not, all these things like the Great Reset were considered a conspiracy theory 10, 20 years ago. And now they're reality. And what these guys are talking about with this Q CSQR is that there isn't going to be an equal system. There's going to be a system of slaves and a system of sovereigns. And uh, the, the sovereigns are going to control the destiny of, of the rest of mankind. And, you know, and I think that's completely realistic. Sorry. You know, I think that uh, if you have access to this kind of technology and you know, you're not going to want to put yourself on the same par with the common folk. Right. But the illusion of it is going to be important. And so what these guys are doing is they're busting that illusion and it's causing a lot of waves. You know, people are freaking out and they're getting angry and they're getting doubtful and they're skeptical and whatnot. But I always just say just you know, don't make judgment on it. Just look at the information and go inside yourself and see if it resonates. And, you know, you'll, and you'll get the answers. We need to trust our heart. We need to trust our inner compass. We have this intuition. We have these amazing abilities in us that can, you know, we have BS filters and we can use those. And, you know, just, um, just be careful where you spend your money. That, that well, why do you say that? I'd love to know why. I, I, I wanna, well, because on the one hand, you're when you're when you're buying things that that are uh, part of the system that are um, you know that have led us down this path toward this technological technocracy utopia that the Schwabsters want. You're giving them your power when you're buying you know um, into their um, you know their sci-fi programs and their series without putting on your filter. You're giving them your power. You're giving them your energy. And if you're, if they're asking you to, um, if someone's asking you to invest in crypto or something like that to save the world, don't do it or be cautious or only do it if you want to play around. And you've got the money to risk. You know, um, some people invested in crypto and they made a heck of a lot of money very quickly. Money from nothing, you could almost say. And in those cases, you know, yeah, maybe take some of that money you made from nothing. 
and uh, you made out of nothing and put it in, try it out. But but um, I would be, you know, uh, this is an issue that comes up even with groups around the guardians of the looking glass. It'll probably come up with the oculum labs people. So, you know, just be cautious and just be open eyed and, you know, use your inner compass and you'll know. And in, in the end, the information that's there is enough to get you started to make to do damage to stop this timeline from manifesting. You don't need anything else. Wow. Well, this was amazingly powerful, man. And uh, I want to thank you again for doing this. And uh, I'll try to get it out to as many people as possible. Uh, th th thanks, Frank. Thanks, Robert.